I'm Alex Hirsch, and I talk way too much. <laughs> I'm Rob Renzetti, and I have a beautiful voice. I'm Matt Chapman, and I'm an ungodly monstrosity in the air. <laughs> Not just an ungodly monstrosity, the ungodly monstrosity who wrote this episode. Yes. Matt, what can you tell us about the, uh, about the development of Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons? Uh, it, it was super fun to write because it, uh, it was like an episode that had all this stuff of, with Ford, which was like this new guy on the show that you got to pay off and see all this fun time with, but then it didn't need a ton of the like heavy lifting. You know, it mm-hmm. progressed things along with this rift and all that stuff, but we still got to have like a ton of fun, like a season one, you know, episode, which, uh, so it kind of was perfect that it rode those lines. Um, it made my job easy and fun. Yeah, we desperately needed an episode that was lighter and sillier and uh, just generally easier on the audience at this point after so much heavy lifting and heavy drama of the last two episodes. Yeah, there was definitely a feeling around the office like those last two episodes were draining, like draining to write, (laughs) draining to watch. They're so heavy, um, and we've changed the show permanently by adding this new character, and you need to believe that with this new character it can still be a fun, silly show. Yeah, and uh, this episode does a great job of that. Well, and I think, I mean, Matt, I remember, you know, you, you were the you were the writer on this episode and, and this whole kind of cold open um, with him and the magnet gloves and the way that that would work um, was really kind of your concept. And it was, I remember seeing this and feeling so like, like grateful to the writers, like you guys had figured out a way to make this guy like a fun character and to see him from Dipper's point of view, yeah, which is really what I think we needed at this point in the season. Yep. Yeah, well, especially in, in for this episode, you want to set it up as being like, he's like the coolest toy that's down in the basement that Dipper really wants to play with, and he is not allowed to play with him. Yeah. And so well, uh, it was, uh, yeah, the, the more you could lay that, the thicker you could lay that on, the better. And th- there was a way that I kind of thought about this also in the writer's room, which is that, you know, the, the first three quarters of the series are sort of about Dipper's crush on Wendy, and this final quarter is sort of about his crush on the author. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember you talking about that. He's such a fan of this guy, and he's so used to being denied that which he's a fan of, and he's never found anybody who cares about his nerdy stuff. Mabel doesn't care. Stan doesn't care. Seuss cares, but on a different level. Yeah. He's so hungry for the approval of somebody like Ford, um, and this idea that they would bond over a nerdy board game felt like sort of the, the way to do this big idea in a sort of grounded way. Yeah, I kind of, I like that better than like, you know, Ford presented Dipper with the five trials of the genius boy. You right. know, I passed these when I was your age. Can you do it too? And it's like, nope, he just likes the same dork game that he does. Like, I think that's a better, a better way for them to bond. There was a few different, Matt, maybe you'll remember this a little better than me. I remember that we were having a bit of a hard time figuring out what the first episode would be out of the gate after two stands, and there was a lot of exploration of, well, maybe it's an episode about Ford reclimatizing to, you know, he's from the oh, 80s. Right. Yeah. He doesn't know about the shack, and he doesn't know about the town, and he's got to learn about what the modern world is like. Do you remember those versions? Yeah, they they didn't last a long time. No. Um, yeah. but, and I think they just what we found was that those were best as like joke. We were like, we can yeah. all that information can be in funny jokes in any story that we tell. Yeah. And I, so they're still in there. There's like those parts where like Dipper and him bond over both not being around for the 90s and right. that being like a positive thing for them. Yeah. And I feel like that that was where we were like, OK, you can still get all those in those little nuggets of info that Ford wasn't around. What does he not know about this or that? Uh, but then we could tell a fun uh, D&D story. 
On, well, I've yeah. never played Dungeons and Dragons. No, like, nor, nor have I. Not once in my entire life. Well, that's life. not true. I, pl- I played it once. Um, once it, in my teen years. My ignorance should be obvious um, <laughs> in the fact that I... D- Matt, were you a big player of the D and the D? I, I think I made characters with a friend whose older brother played about 10 times. We loved making characters, and then we'd like open up the book and be like, wait, what, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> Well, this uh, is definitely like like you know the, the the jokes that I added in this episode completely come from my ignorance. We're, like where Stan comes in and says like, "Yeah, only nerds would invent a game where charisma is a fantasy power." Like that's <laughs> that's as much as I know about about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, F Clorp is a hundred percent Matt Chapman creation. <laughs> hey, if it doesn't roll off the tongue at all, it's a word I made up. <laughs> Uh, I like that the Seuss's uh, acronym for that has the word legitimate in it. Yes, <laughs> it just yes. feels like He's, you had to include that in there. Or nobody would take him seriously. That's right. And now they are taken very seriously. <laughs> um, this, uh, I believe that this first act is storyboarded by Emmy Cicerega. And yeah. this, this Stan acting here, uh, shield yourself under an elven buttress. That little people have made gifts out of that, much to my misery. <laughs> um, but here we're—I mean, already we're seeing the arrival of of Ford is creating this sort of the two sets of twins are starting to pair off between uh, you know the brainiacs and the maniacs. And this is sad. Aww. The um the idea that the shack had been completely destroyed in the previous episode, you know, we saw that thing fly into yeah. the air and crash to the ground. We know that it's mil- built by Manly Dan. It, it's it's not a magical building. Um, well, but- it's magical in this show because it gets destroyed how many times? <laughs> a lot, about four or five times. We 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 sort of it took comes back our cartoon license of. Okay, we're not just going to have it be completely back to normal. Yeah, we're going to show that it's under construction. We're yeah, going to show yeah, that yeah. the town is not very bright about what just happened. Right. Um, you know, so that by the next episode, it's it's put back together enough for yes. us to believe this. Yes. It's but, like those couple times when the coyote has some bandages on after falling right, off of a cliff. Exactly. And you're like, wait, he's still hurt from the last time. Wow. <laughs> we were the opposite. We tried not to use cartoon license uh Hardly at all. We tried to make yeah. things feel grounded and real as much as we could. At least the real part, the magical stuff, we, obviously. Yeah, is we, we magical, took great but. pains to add what we could to break that 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 feeling that things had just are free of consequence. Yes, um, but we also had to constantly balance that between our need to have big, crazy adventure. You know. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm saying like with the coyote thing, it's like I think it's a thing that people love. Like fans of something like want that like. They, hey, they, they know that I watched the last one, and they're referencing <laughs> the knowledge oh, yeah. I have from that one now. Even the, I mean, I think the fans fell in love with even the smallest references to past episodes that the characters would, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I was reference. so impressed with this the way this was storyboarded. Because the way it was written, I wasn't sure how that contraption would work. And I yes. think, was it? <laughs> well um, done. I don't know. I don't was this uh, no? This is Vaughn. This is Vaughn. It was Vaughn Tata. Yeah, he's. I, I don't mention him enough on the commentaries. Wonderful storyboard artist. Yeah, um, really good. Great appealing drawings. Incredibly talented and, and really smart about that kind of stuff. Though I do find his. That's the, a Alonzo a drawing right there. The yeah. blinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is Alonzo. You know his weakness, right? Prime statistical anomalies over 37, but not exceeding 51. I wanted to hear oh, man. Whose line is that? That Matt? was originally Roll for Dominion, but we felt we needed to make it longer and yeah. dumber. <laughs> yeah. 
Yo, this is me, uh, me and Josh. Me, it's, it's. I think it's one of those ones where it's kind of 50-50. Like, I think I wrote up until about when they get taken, and then Josh wrote the rest. But oh, okay. Did little joke passes. Well, That's this right. is you. This is all me, though, I will admit. <laughs> this, this is, is the Chapman Matt, special. This is Chapman distilled <laughs> to his purest essence. <laughs> and that's definitely your voice saying diggity dungeons and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. Nine double deuce. <laughs> the, nine double, the nine double deuce is when I was actually making uh, terrible hip hop and using, like, referring to 1994 as the nine double deuce in my terrible suburban hip hop. I always forget you had your hip hop phase. This yeah. must be why oh, you yeah. and Jeff have like a special bond. <laughs> we both went through like super nerds about hip hop and then super nerds about like indie rock. <laughs> this um this idea of an infinity die was something where we needed we needed to spin the episode into our weekly monstrous adventure. Um you know, I think if I have if I, I, I think if I have any regrets about this episode, it's that, like, we're trying to establish Ford as this really smart, reasonable guy, but he is a bit too cavalier, right? I think, with but this I, object. Actually, I enjoy that. I enjoy that he's got a little bit of a reckless side because it shows you the stand part of him. You know what I mean? The stand part of Ford. The, the, the little bit of, like, he likes a little bit of danger. He likes a little bit of risk. Well, and if he would show that side, it would be... In, when he feels with he's with a kindred spirit, right? Yes. Like you know, around somebody like Stan, he'd put no, up that he would wall. Never do around no, no, Dipper, no, no, he'd no. be like, "Oh, isn't this pretty cool?" What do you think? Yeah, he'd never be that irresponsible <laughs> around around Stan. Yeah, I like that Dipper is sort of a little bit of a Achilles heel for for Ford as well. You know, I think that's that's cool too. That's a really interesting. You know, I never thought of it that way, um, but you're right that like Ford Ford has certain blind spots, and uh, Dipper exacerbates some of those. Just because he's willing to encourage, he's willing to yes and forward towards whatever dumb idea he might have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, Dipper, Mabel, Stan, and Ford—they're all characters who need each other. Um, you know, with without Dipper, Mabel's just in a fantasy land. Without Mabel, uh, Dipper is just sort of just spiraling miserable. in his own yeah, uh, his own misery, spiraling into his own neurosis. You know, not being pulled into those social situations, not growing as a person. Uh, this is definitely a Josh Weinstein joke. I think we all remember where we were when Duck Tactic was shot. <laughs> You're right. That's right. Josh Weinstein wrote the second half of this episode. Um, and classic jokes like that. These, um, th this dialogue in this scene about, um, you know, there's a lot of... Detective has a strong mystery element. A lot of jokes that go over kids' heads. Uh, that's definitely a Weinstein. That's, you know, one of the amazing things about Josh is, you know, he's this classic Simpsons writer, but he was also a big fan of Gravity Falls. And when he came on to the show for season two, he was a fan of season one. So jokes like this are, you know, him him saying why he came on to the yes, series, basically. basically. defending his uh, involvement in Descending Gravity his Falls. career choice to be involved with our show. <laughs> um, I have to mention, there's on the in the background, we see um, Smurgle, oh, I think Omadon, and Gorbash. Um, those are the names of the dragons in the very not well-known animated movie in the 80s, Flight of Dragons. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Which, the only reason I'm <laughs> referencing it is that Jason Ritter, who's Dipper's dad, John Ritter, was a the main character of the movie Flight oh of Dragons. Wow. Um, and I remember I was talking about this episode with Jason about, oh, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Did you ever play that? And he's like, I loved it. And I loved this movie, this cartoon my dad was in called Flight of Dragons that no one's ever heard of. Um, and I had some friends who had heard of it. Um, so I was like, you know, for Jason's sake, we made reference to that movie in there. And here we meet my childhood hero, Weird Al Yankovic. I like that Ballway Games also does some uh, tabletop yeah. stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. Ballway games that started that's, in the um, that's the pinball machine. The pinball, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just amusements, general amusements. Yeah. <laughs> takes uh, takes Seuss and the kids hostage. We try to keep our brands consistent throughout the show. Beebly Boops is the name of electronics. Yeah. Um, uh, Ballway is the name of the uh, games. The I gamers. Think, the I think games. Nyums is the candy corporation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is this is all the Weinstein section. Um, these designs, uh, also Robert Ryan Corey designs. I specifically asked him for the uh, goblin to reference um, the goblins from the Rankin Bass Hobbit. Just because those are the <laughs> creepiest goblins ever yet, ever animated. That's a very creepy movie, generally. Very specific poll. So we've definitely gone into our weekly ridiculousness. <laughs> Stan, Mabel, and Grenda is a scene. Is a, yeah, is it's a, a great. It's a great trio. <laughs> it's a trio we've never seen before no. in the series. And I know we debated like, do we need to have candy here? Why is Grenda here without candy? And we. We're just like, no, Candy has no role to play here. We're already too full of characters. We'll just leave yeah. her at home today. Yeah, I think it's good. I think we just decided Candy was not really a fan of Detective. She like, this is where she just tapped out. She's like, yeah, you guys enjoy that show without me. It's I'm funny not. to me that Candy thinks she's too good for Detective. Yeah. <laughs> like, Candy's like, please. I can do better than this. I tape forks to my fingers, but I draw yeah. the line at a duck dressed yeah. as a detective. I like Grenda's weapon is the chair. Only her. Only she could wield that uh, that effectively. <laughs> She's a very strong little little girl. Uh, so I remember it was a. I think it was a cool idea. I think it might have been Josh's idea that like that sort of Dipper and Ford bond over their intelligence, and then they of course summon a creature right. who wants to eat their brains. Uh, it, it seems like a sort of fitting punishment for characters who pride themselves in their brains. Who it was Hot Elf? Where did he come from? Was that you, Matt? That's me. I'm the voice, and uh, and I think I put Hot Elf in there. <laughs> you could try to come up with a super clever name that's a riff off of a Lord of the Rings name, but Hot Elf cuts to the chase. Brevity's a solo <laughs> win. Well done. Hey, look, listen. Oh, and I got to be that. I got to do that Navi uh, voice <laughs> there too, which is maybe one of my favorite moments that of voice acting on the show. Hey, listen. <laughs> This this um this scene where Grenda just yes. knocks him out and uh, Mabel thinks he's dead and he might be dead, but Stan Stan's uh, the forest keeps <laughs> it se- keeps it. Secrets. I like that Stan and Grenda now have a secret between them that they like they're like yeah we understand each other we know neither one of us wants to go to the cops on this. And now a little math problem. When I subtract your brain from your skull. Add salt and divide your family. What's the remainder? Your butt! What? My butt isn't part of this particular equation! Drat! <laughs> How did you make it past my one guard? Very well. There's only one way your family can save you. You must defeat me in dungeons, dungeons, and more dungeons. <laughs> um, this is a this whole sequence is incredibly ambitious. Um, yeah. And you know, at this point in the season, we had just done Tale of Two Stands. We had done Not What He Seems. You know, these crazy, crazy episodes with huge action and all these different backgrounds. And you know, I, I think our artists probably could have used a break at this point, And instead, we're like, no, we're doing uh, a bunch of fantasy characters, and um, they go inside a game, and this is. CG and there's an ogre NATO, you know, an ogre yeah. NATO. Just design that. Just, just, just give us an ogre NATO. <laughs> and a centaur tar. Um, this, this apple slices. This joke was specifically me making fun of my friends who I played Pokemon cards with, um, because it was always like one kid has the the snacks packed by his mom's. Like one kid's got like shark bites, 
White shark, mystery flavor. And then one kid's like oxidized apple slices. They turn brown before I open the Ziploc bag. What a, what a sad snack. This what is a sad <laughs> snack to feed your child. Because I never played Dungeons and Dragons, so it's like I have memories of Pokemon card playing. The, the uh, only it's close th- enough. It's close enough. The only time yeah, I, I ever played Dungeons. There's a lot of universal truths there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the types of people who play these games, there's a lot of overlap. Well, see, um, now I've never played Dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons, but I am a huge board game exactly geek. It's exactly like this. I'm a huge true. board game geek. I'm not into role playing games, but board games, my wife and I have a cabinet full of them. You, you can't One see One more it. complicated than the next. Listeners, but Rob's glasses are like six inches thick. <laughs> <laughs> and there's tons of tape all over them. The only time I ever played Dungeons and Dragons in my life was with uh, Pendleton Ward, uh, creator of Adventure Time, and Pat McHale, creator of Over the Garden Wall. We were all working on a show called Flapjack together, and um, they had Dungeons and Dragons night, and they invited me, and I asked, what are the rules? Um, and Pat said, um, oh, you know, there, there, are, there are no rules. It can be anything. And then they spent an hour arguing over how many dogs of war you were allowed to have. And I was just like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I can't handle this. I'll bet the moment I left it became incredibly fun. And I'm sure if I played it, I would love it. I just, I'm the last person left who hasn't gotten around to it. Well, very, very much like the incredibly complicated board games I play, I think Dungeons and Dragons, there's a, there's a learning curve. And then once you get past that learning curve, you can relax and have fun. But it's it's uh, you know that's a gateway that's a gate for a lot of people that they're not they're not willing to uh, you know breach. Sure. That um speaking of things no one should want to breach. Yes. The centaur tar. <laughs> I drew this on a napkin and I didn't know if it would work and, and it works beautifully. God bless Emmy Ciceriga yeah. for figuring out how to pose that that creature out. Especially the I remember the she board specifically for when Ford and Dipper get onto it how posed out that was. Which made it very easy to figure out an animation. Insanely difficult. Insanely That's difficult. That's from Robert Ryan Corey right there as well, I'm assuming, yeah. right? Yeah. Robert Ryan Corey can't just draw a normal monster. He's got to put eyeballs inside the horns. This is, <laughs> this is why he's amazing. <laughs> you don't understand. This is the most powerful monster in the game. He can only be defeated by rolling a perfect 38. But the odds of that are, hey, long odds are what you want. When you're a world-class gambler. So uh, we like the idea that Stan appears to win through dumb luck, that it's sort of, right. uh, you know, intelligence versus, um, you know, gut. Uh, but Stan wouldn't actually bet everyone's life right. on a dice roll. He's a cheater. <laughs> At the end of the day, I believe that Stan has been thrown out of Vegas for counting cards and for weighing dies, and I believe he could con his way out of any game, particularly for an obnoxious wizard like this. Weird Al was a pleasure to work with. Um, he's the only guy I've ever worked with who... I normally ask for a few too many takes. It's one of my weaknesses as a director. Um, Al's the guy who's like, That was fun. Can we do more? Can I add some more takes? Let's do five more. Let's hang out. What are you doing later? Like, he's just such a sweet guy. Goodbye, Al. Bye, Al. There you go. At the end of the day, I'm the worst. <laughs> and we, I think we added a setup of him chewing gum earlier in the episode yes. so that it's, it's not completely ridiculous that that came out of nowhere. Yeah, because was there a version where, where he just, it was just dumb luck? I and think the there idea was. was. Like, oh, he's just was. the guy that would take the risk. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I, love, the, I love the gum. We I want him to be a little uh, smarter than that. Yeah, after, yeah. You know, after episodes like... Um, you know, and, and Gravity Falls, it's like we're always experimenting with tone, and some episodes are much more grounded and more serious, and some are sort of sillier, um, you know. And, but, but after an episode, like, not what he seems, 
the idea that Stan would gamble everyone on, on pure chance is like, no, no, no. He's got a plan. This is the guy who escaped prison using gravity leaps. He, he's got a way out. <laughs> I love everything about that. I think that's you and I. Aren't you and I those two ducks? That's true. Yeah. We've got to give the audience a little I'm bit of what they came here for. Uh, there's our setup of Ford's UFO keychain, which we're going to use later to great effect. Um, I actually, I remember when I, right before this episode was sort of complete, I was looking through it and I was, I was a little concerned that we had gone a bit too far into the goofy and not enough into the continuity. And I actually added a scene here where F Dipper tells Ford his real name. Oh, wow. Because uh, Dipper's a nickname. There used to be a I scene that. where Ford is like, um, you know, thank you, Dipper. And then Dipper just blurts out his name because it's, it's the first time anybody has, like, trusted him and listened to him. And he's so hungry for it that it just pops out of him. Um, and I, I wrote it out and I, I showed it to a few people. And I was like, what do you think? Is this good? Does this go too far? And I think the consensus was there, there wasn't really time for it. Um, and it, it sort of... It was such a big idea that it required setup that I don't think we found room for. I'm still sort of on the fence. I'm not sure if I wish I should have kept it in or not. I don't know. I feel like... Uh, was Dipper and Mabel versus the Future had the same... Had the same didn't we try to put we it in tried it there the as well. that yeah. too? We had two different yeah. spots where we considered it, and it never quite played. So I, I think it's good that we put it in the in the journal. It gave a nice little Definitely, sort of surprise yeah, of course. for uh, people reading I mean, the And I feel like uh, there's enough of an exchange of intimacies there that for we, lack we of a better... We understand the setup here. Dipper has been told for the first time, keep something from Mabel. Yeah. And, and I think there's, you know, there, there's, there's a contingency of the fans that are like, oh, Mabel, she's so awful for giving that globe to Blendon. And it's like, if Dipper, after this scene, had immediately gone to Mabel and been like, hey, you know our crazy uncle? He wants me to guard this orb. He didn't want me to tell you about it, but you should know about it. There would have been no apocalypse. 